What does it mean to truly connect with yourself, with another person, with the world in general? You see, when life gets complicated, we are tempted to retreat inwards, to seclude ourselves from the people around us. I found myself in rooms full of people and yet feeling so alone. And I know that I'm not alone in that feeling. And so today, Nick is going to walk us through his journey of learning how to authentically connect with people in life and with himself. And through the film Stranger Than Paradise and some narrative practices, we'll discover how we can move from alienation and isolation to better connecting with ourselves and the world around us. Welcome to the Live a Meaningful Story podcast, where we learn how to navigate life one film at a time. We are four friends with backgrounds in storytelling, filmmaking, teaching, and narrative therapy. Join us on our quest towards telling and living our stories more meaningfully. I'm Derek Hatch. My name is Nick Nita. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Joseph Wilson. I'm Jason Lin. All right, so I have a riddle for you guys. Riddle me this. Riddle me this. Oh, so what do all of these things have in common? Batman Returns, The Last Jedi, Tenet, Dead Man, Mars Attacks, Inside Lewin Davis. Highest level film craftsmanship. (laughs) Stranger Than Paradise. All good movies. They're all Nick films. And yeah, so, good ones. <laughs> and so, in the search for meaning episode, we talked about how we have this identity, these themes that we resonate with, and they connect with our story. But we seek them out in other films. I should have picked Batman Returns. <laughs> Those are three insane characters. Yeah. And so, you know, I was thinking about your movies a lot because the thing I love about Nick and us being on this podcast together is most of Nick's picks, most of Nick's movies are not movies. I really like, <laughs> they're not movies that I'm naturally drawn to. You grow, you grow to like them. Huh? I grow. I yeah. do grow to like them except maybe last Jedi. But I, well, even last Jedi, I've, I've seen a little bit more redemption. Which one there. have you least grown to like? I mean, Tenet is still probably probably pretty low for me, but, but all that to say, I grow a lot from Nick and I, and from his taste because it's very different from mine. But I do think that the more I think about all of your films, I do think they all have something that really is at the heart of them all. And you said it on the last episode you said that Stranger Than Paradise, this is a movie about connection. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what all your movies are ultimately about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if it's, we have this joke in my house now with me and my wife. And if it's a movie about lonely people trying to figure out how to connect, it's a Nick movie. <laughs> <laughs> so What's it's a funny. Derek movie again? The, the search for meaning and what it means to be human with a little sliver of that fantasy, fantasy sci-fi in there like that. And, you know, it, we're, we, we've been talking about you guys as well and kind of what yours are. And so next month we're going to dive into Joe and Jason's. But today <laughs> the spotlight is on Nick. On our own Nick Natal and his story. So, so how does attack, uh, Mars Attacks fit into yeah, that he, one? Is he, it just no connection? Yeah, ten, there's a few of them that don't really work. I, I, I disagree. I think, I think, <laughs> I think, I think Mars the, Attacks works really well I with this. I think Mars Attacks is people thinking the Martians are lonely and want to connect. It's all that donut guy who absolutely is not 
connected with any like he's trying the only person he's connected with is his grandma grandma, and it's that connection with his grandma that literally saves Saves the the human race I like that one (laughs) see I'm telling you it works for what he was focusing on but that but right the idea of connecting but we don't always know like when we did Return of the Jedi I didn't even see that search for meaning in that humanity until I thought about it right and so sometimes we don't always know that that connection's there and that's kind of the fun is like, I've been like, all right, all of Nick's picks. I'm like, yep, I see it there. It might not be the whole movie for all right. of them, but, but it's there in some form or another. So we talked about this idea of when everything looks the same. So how is that idea resonated with you guys? And how does that tie into this overarching theme of connection? Yeah, like were there moments in your lives where you were just searching for something in different places and it's just the same everywhere? Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Nick, you teased it out in the last episode, but how does your story, where do you see it in Stranger Than Paradise? And how does that tie into this idea of an origin story for you? I think the temptation is to get connection externally. Yeah. And to reach for it. And I think as I've been on this journey, it's this understanding that it's a deeply internal process. Mm. And so Willie can go to Ohio and he can go to Florida and he can go anywhere and, and he's the same everywhere he goes. Yeah. And you've heard that and we know that, but there's, there's this, just this such like a deeper transformation that has to happen in all of us that we are in some control of, and we aren't yeah. in a lot of control of. Yeah. And so like the idea that Willie's like, he doesn't know what to do with his time. And he's in a room, he's in his room spending most of his time there. And he just kind of, Willie, Eddie, they're sitting and having a beer together, but time is going by and neither one of them are even present in their bodies. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're in, either in their minds or they're just cut off completely. Mm-hmm. And so those feelings, like I look at that and I can connect to that. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was younger, my parents divorced and my father went to prison for a year. Mm. Um, And when I was told that, I remember my mom told me and then, you know, she, we had the conversation about it. It was really short because I didn't know how to handle it. And I went back into my room and in my memory, like in my origin story, like when the door closes in my room, it kind of fades to black. Kind of mm. like Strangers in Paradise, like the scene just flays the back yep, and yep, the one yep. comes out. But I can still sense the idea of being in my room and like that that boy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like the detachment from my surroundings, maybe from my body, maybe from my mm. emotions, all of these things, it went to the head. And this search intellectually for some kind of connection or some kind of meaning or some kind of truth. Yeah. And there's this sense of forgetting about my body and the present reality. And so as you try to create a story in your mind or mm-hmm. set goals for the future, like you're further and further distancing yourself from the story in the moment. Yeah. yeah. And you don't live that story and you can look back and time has just gone by. And, yeah. Yeah. and you know, God is so good that he can redeem all of that through yeah. our weakness and still create a story. Mm-hmm. But to live in a way that is connected to the story that Jesus came to bring us mm-hmm. is something I'm learning on a much deeper level yeah. like very right now. And this movie to me illustrates the idea of like a deep disconnection from the Christ story 
and a, a very black and white way of thinking. So yeah. Willie is, you know, you said he's ir- irritable in the beginning because Willie can't hold anything at the same time. Mm-hmm. Willie can't hold his cultural identity mm-hmm. and American, this opportunity in front of him yeah. at the same time. He He's rejecting and resisting things. This idea, so I've been studying Richard Rohr a lot mm-hmm, the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks without thinking I was going to even talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I've known contemplation and contemplative thinking and monastic yeah. thought. I've studied this a long time. And then I dove into, like, I think just action mm-hmm. and yeah. ministry and the poor, mm-hmm. which was in, invaluable, like just utterly yeah. invaluable. You yeah. couldn't ever pay me enough to ever skip that. Yeah. Nothing could ever take away from all of those experiences and what that that gave to me yeah. and how that changed my thinking. But one of the things that he said was one, that the mind does not search for truth. It's incapable of searching for truth. The mind can only search for control mm. and God refuses to be known intellectually. And that is just like the trap that I get set in mm. is this idea that I can search for truth and figure it out in the head. Yeah. Um, but I'm really just searching for control. Yeah. Once I started to realize wow. that it, it just was an intense thought. It yeah. was freeing though. Yeah. It was just utterly freeing. Well, it sounds like in this episode being called like reconnecting with yourself and the world around you, it's that bringing together of the internal and the external. Mm-hmm. It's that bringing together of the the head and the hands, right? Yeah. And it's not trying to find all meaning and purpose in one or the other. It's about recognizing how they go together. Mm-hmm. You can only get so far in your mind and you're going to burn out eventually if you're only all on the surface and doing and external and all that. So it sounds like what you're saying is that reconnecting with yourself and reconnecting with the world around you, they go together and they're almost inseparable. Like the journey of learning to reconnect with both, they work together. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Just so fascinating. So, you know, he says, you think, what is the opposite of good? What would you say the opposite of good is? Evil. Bad. Yeah. And not according to C.S. Lewis. The thought is the opposite of good is nothing. Yeah. Because when yeah. God created everything it was good. out it was good. of nothing, yeah. it was good. So the opposite of good is not bad. The opposite of good is nothing, is non-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in this movie, these guys are, honestly, it's it's there's a lot of just non-being and non-presence in this movie. There's not a lot of good in this movie. When I think yeah. of humanity, we we classify that as humanity, but we're not living the way Jesus came to teach us what a yeah. human was yeah. like. So we attach to the negative aspects of humanity. Now yeah. there's humor in this movie. It's hilarious. Yeah. And there is a lot of good in these, these moments, characters yeah. learning to figure it out and just the, the expression of this stuff, but they're not connected. Yeah. And the movie doesn't lead to any connection either. The yeah. movie leads to the hero's journey to learn how to connect. Yeah. yeah. And so as I'm learning how to connect them, discovering deeper into the, the like contemplative thought. And there's, there's four things that according to Richard Rohr is yeah. you have to get over. And there's four dichotomies. These things are not separate. Mm-hmm. They are the same. There is no separation between these things. And one of them is the self and the non-self, the, mm. the self and an object. 
we are not separate. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are all interconnected and basically like what you do to yourself, you're doing to people around you. Yeah. Yeah. But we try to individualize ourselves in all these ways to separate. Yeah. Or to ingratiate. Yeah. The other one was life and death, which still trying to figure out. The other one was mind and body. So we separate our mind and our body. And we believe what our thoughts tell us, which is basically mm-hmm. the narrative practice is your thoughts are telling you this and that makes you that, that, and it's not true. Right. You know? Right. And that's what Luke was able to distinguish. Yeah. And the other is the acceptable self and the unacceptable self. And we try to eliminate this side of us that we are incapable of eliminating. Cause it is us still. Yeah. There, there's, there's this freedom where he says where Christ comes, everything is now sacred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says the monks mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. need to be cut, don't need to create oil or cloisters. The world is now the cloister for everyone to live. Right. Where the bad is still under the the expression of the good. Yeah. And so well, very similar to like Richard Moore. I've heard Rob Bell once say that like you have a you have, you know, these places that are like they represent the sacred. You know, and you like you have a monastery or, you know, very nice church or mm-hmm. cathedral. Right. And it shows you what's possible within the sacred. Right. It shows you that there is a thing called the sacred. Right. Yeah. And that's part of the journey. And again, this is why, like, I love that we started talking with like this very traditional story of Star Wars in the first episode and then now we're kind of moving like uh, out of that. It's not that you get rid of the tradition, right. yeah. but it's that now you evolve and grow out of it. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of good story, like long form stories will do. But I think that's, that's true of life as well is mm-hmm. that you get to a point where you start to realize that, oh, it's not just the place that's sacred. The body is a temple, right? That's a lot of what Jesus's teachings were doing was they were, he was really like moving past like this idea of how things were like, oh, like you can only encounter God in this place, in this tent, in this temple, right? And now Jesus is saying like, it's, well, for one, Jesus is saying it's me, yeah. but then he's also saying the temple it's, it's, is your body, right? Yeah. And 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 that's what Paul elaborates on there is that now the meeting place of God, we don't have to go physically somewhere to do it. Now we can encounter that here, yeah. right? So it's like we have a period of time in our lives where we need that and we still need to be reminded and shown that. Mm-hmm. But in order to reconnect with, you know, the world around us, it's starting to see like what you said there, like the sacredness of all things, that the sacred is possible within all things, which that's what I think like Jesus is trying to demonstrate with communion is that in the most basic element of bread and in the most extravagant element of wine, there in all things, you can find the Christ story. You can find this narrative of what it means to be human. And you can take that into your body, into your being. And that's the life and death that I, Richard wore that connection there, right? Is that we take something into our bodies that's representative of death, whether it's us eating animals or eating mm-hmm. things that have died, right? Or, or communion. But yet that thing of death gives us life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And the movie with its visual style is everything is black and white. You can't even see the Ohio river. You can't yeah. see anything of God's creation. Yeah. There's nothing there because they're so yeah. disconnected. Even yeah. the beaches look like you're like, saying, look exactly like Ohio snow. and everywhere yeah. else. It's just yeah. desolate. And it, it's, it's really a reflection. So he also talks about the first half of life is the 10 commandments, uh-huh. but then you have to move into the beatitudes. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's not destroying the 10 commandments because 
you can't just get rid of those. It's still a foundation, but you yeah. transcend them into the Beatitudes. And I, what I was nodding when you were talking about the return of the Jedi is it sounded like Yoda and Obi-Wan were in the Ten Commandments. And they're yeah. like, he is, he, they're mm-hmm. the soul in the law. Yeah. And Luke was already moving into the Beatitudes. Yeah. So oh, that's good. Yeah. He was splitting them yeah. while he was battling his false self, yeah. Palpatine, cool. and balancing all these things to become this person. Yeah. And so this film is just like a, a visual depiction of really just, a, I feel like, a lack of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like Christ has not filled this film with color. Right. It is just desolate. Yeah. And it, it makes it even fonder for me because, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Have you ever had moments where you felt like your film was, bl- your, your life was black and white? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. I wrote something one time where it's, I wrote, in, in the winter night, everything is black and white. Because it's just dark and there's snow. Yeah. Like like in the winter, in the, the that part of your soul is is there's this release from just the the boxes we put everything in. Mm. Yeah. And the more we're putting things in the boxes and not practicing the mindfulness to let go of everything, to let go of everything that we've really been like we have to let go of a lot of what we've been taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the ability to live. Yeah. And then the thing though is that that connection, you can't connect with anyone if you're not connected with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can't connect externally first to anything. Mm-hmm. And there's many ways to say that you have to love yourself first or whatever, but it's really this deep connection of who Christ is mm-hmm. and like what creation really is. I heard a story one time, like a, a young kid asked a nun or a priest how to love God. Mm-hmm. And he said, go learn how to love a stone. And he was like, go learn how to love you know, a tree and, and, and nature. Yeah. Go learn how to love creation. And then go learn how to love a person. Yeah. Go learn how to love your neighbor. Then maybe like, you're just reaching the tips of God, like yeah. all of these things together. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, it was really cool. And all this is in this little tiny, tiny 89-minute movie yeah. Yeah. of just 12 cuts. Mm-hmm. There's 12 cuts in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I think wow. now you should show in the back of your hat. <laughs> Make movies shorter. Yeah, yeah, 97 minutes. That's it. With, With credits. credits. Yeah. With credits. Um, <laughs> yeah. But this is just like a gem of a movie and yeah. something that I'll, I will be able to connect with when I'm 90. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll, I take this everywhere I go. Because there's certain kind of stories that you outgrow. And I don't mean that in like a disrespectful mm-hmm. way, but it's just the reality, right? You don't need them anymore. Like, you yeah. Them. When yeah. you're in your 20s, there's certain ones you'll let go of when you're in your 30s, right? I mean, I'm 32 and I'm still holding on to the Star Wars trilogy. So <laughs> judge me as you will for that. But we all find those stories in each decade and each chapter of our lives. And when, and I do think that there's certain stories that are, always going to be present for our mm-hmm. lives. Right. And this sounds like stranger than paradise yeah. is one of those for you, which I'm really, which is why I'm really glad that you have brought this up and you've shared your story here and pieces on it. Mm. Now, Joe and Jason, as you were hearing Nick share, was there anything that stood out to you? Anything that resonated with you at all? An image that came to mind about Nick? Well, I was also thinking of like Dr. Strange, like his kind of story, just when you when you two were talking about wanting to hold on to that like type of narrative practice and thinking that you know exactly what to do, but then it, life shows you that you don't pretty much. Yeah. But that's pretty much, I was thinking like, that's a Dr. Strange story. That's, that's exactly his story as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, these movies, I would say, 
are harder to relate to. I understand it, but harder to relate to because, yeah, growing up, I had my struggles, but I knew who I was. Yeah. There was a sense of I knew my identity, and mm-hmm. I feel like the aimlessness wasn't there, but understanding the disconnect of people was. So I can relate to that. Yeah. Just the disconnection. There was some kind of anchor still in yeah. you, even though, even through disconnection. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Willie, Willie, there's especially, no, there's no anchor. There's, yeah. there's resistance in all areas. Yeah. And so that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an anchor in Eva. Yeah. I was going to say, there's I'll, some kind of like integrity in Ava that yeah. she has yeah. that the other two don't. Right. Well, she's connected. She's connected with herself. Mm-hmm. She, she can kno- hold herself. She's, 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 yeah. Hold she knows she's Hungarian. Yeah. She doesn't deny that. She wants to be an American and she goes after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She there she has such a clear sense of identity, right? In herself, yeah. In there. Even when others might make fun of her for it or mock her or whatever it is. Like she brings that boombox with her everywhere. It's interesting that she she, she carries music and music is such a representation yeah. of of heaven and mm-hmm. prayer and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. dance, like this divine dance that people talk about. And she's mm-hmm. the one that carries that yeah. and fills it. And they're, they're silent. Yeah. They're, there's, they nothing. don't know how to connect with yeah. it. Right. Cause it's, it's waking up or at least it could wake up something in themselves mm-hmm. and it's something they're not in tune with. Yeah. It's like, if you bring, like I wasn't raised in a religious household. And so like when I, when my family and I, when we go to these like cathedrals, it was interesting because we never went to church or never did anything like that. But I I watched in like, like, like with my dad, like this reverency that like opened up like a part of himself that like, I didn't like really get to see Mm. or like when we were out in nature, right. And going to the grand Canyon and different things like that, you get to see that people are either going to open up to it or Mm. they're going to resist it. And what is it that is preventing them from connecting with what's around them in the moment? Yeah. And that's what we have to figure out. That's what we have Mm. to find is, well, why am I resisting this? What is it that I'm disconnected from within here? That's preventing me from connecting there. One thing I got and I really resonated with is I think it, it really is both of the two things that you were saying, what with with uh, the nun's answer to the boy and also, I guess, not necessarily self-love, but an acceptance of who Christ has made us to be and where he's also brought us. Mm-hmm. So Willie is not accepting, like he was born into a Hungarian family and he came from Hungary came from Budapest to America, and he's not accepting that. I don't want to be spoken to in Hungarian. I'm English. My name is not Bela. It's Willie. Mm. Don't call me that. Eddie tries to ask him, I didn't know you were this. He's like, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. So that acceptance is not there, and he's irritable. Like you were saying, like he... He can't connect because he hasn't accepted who Christ made him. Yeah. Because they do connect with each other in this movie. And I've been thinking like what, what connects them and what drives them away from connections. And what I'm seeing, like, especially at the end of the movie, they just miss each other Mm -hmm. at the end of the movie. And a lot of times they're just missing a connection with each other. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the movie and you slowly see, Willie, who does not want her to be there, to someone who does want to be there. But what, yeah. what's pulling them together? What's connecting them? Uh, it's watching the movies together, ones yeah. that they like. Even with asking questions, even the attempt to give someone a gift. Because Ava goes back and she brings him the cigarettes, a TV dinner, 
they're acknowledging what the other person likes and yeah. they're acknowledging the other person's identity and there's a connection in that. Yeah. Just the small time that they spend together, there is a connection. Yeah. Making the efforts to see each other when when they show up and they go to visit her, like she's overjoyed. She yeah. wants a connection. She wants a friendship with them. Yeah. And Willie wants, he does want to be with his family. He, he does want to, you know, spend time with his aunt because there's times where like, he's just like fine. Just being there playing, playing games with his, with his auntie. Yeah. yeah, not, yeah. Maybe not losing, but yeah, mm-hmm. but there, there is a desire and eventually he does go right. back to Budapest. So there is a desire and those things kind of bring them together. Let's go see this. Let's go do this. There's an intention yeah. to, to see each other. And when the connection is missed, it's when impatience seeps in, uh, irritability, just a focus on, I guess we were saying goal setting, like let's go to the race. No, you can't come. No, mm-hmm. just there's yeah. an exclusion of, of pushing off. It almost returns to like the way the movie was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like, like I'm realizing it's like I'm watching this go go backwards to the way it was. Like they well, were she close. Lands. She lands in the beginning, gets mm-hmm. off the plane, mm-hmm. and he goes. Yeah. 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 I think these are some of the things that this movie shows that bring the connection, uh-huh. help us with each other, like on a more, I guess, practical level, mm-hmm. and the things that push us away from each other. Yeah. And also not sharing, like, because Eddie goes, I didn't know you were from these places. Willie could have gone, yeah. And he yep. could have like told him about his story and there could have been something there. And he just said, no, I, yeah, these are the things that are, that are pulling them together and pushing them together yeah. or pushing them away from each other. I thought just, and then there, I really, I really connect with like, learn how to love a, a, a stone or mm. a tree. What has really helped me in my life is going out and it's going to sound super crazy, but <laughs> you're already smiling. <laughs> like, can you have, Patience for like a lizard, or yeah. Or, yeah. or or care yeah. or consideration. I'll, I'll, like there's something I would. It was a weird thing I'd do, but it, but it helped. I would whenever I, I pass like an animal or something, I'd I just play. I was going. I waved to him when I drive in the van. I say I like wave to the cats when I drive mm-hmm. by, but like a just a love for something that you cannot actually see or yeah. really connect with in a physical tangible way yeah i'm i'm connecting like with god through his reflections and his creations mm. and with what he's given me that's of the spirit like patience yeah i'm connecting with god as i practice patience and consideration and kindness and a love of beauty and a love of what's been created and a love a love of things i can't even love you back loving yeah. a rock a yeah. rock can't love you back mm-hmm. uh saying hi to the pets they're not gonna say hi back no, i mean bro, the lizard like Meh. I was waved back to by a possum once on the on the sidewalk. <laughs> I think God I, gave you that I, one. I, 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 think, I think he did. Well, I literally was walking on a sidewalk back from back from university to a yeah. bus stop, and the possum was walking the exact opposite way towards me. And yeah. I was like, "Hey!" And it literally like stopped and like took his pop and went like that, <laughs> and then kept walking. I'm like, that was cool. Well, you do but, really cultivate these things well, Jason. And I'll never forget that moment when you brought a dead bird or a dying bird. Dying bird. Uh, the crow. The bird that was injured. Ah, and you th- brought him in my office and said, can we keep this here for the day and I'll sure take did. care of it later? And I'm like, you tell me that I have to have a sick bird sitting yeah, next Norm, to me. Norman Bates. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this whole time, right? That but was, it's interesting what that, that did. You know what? You know what's interesting though is what that did in me. Really? I didn't I didn't yeah, know. I never told anything. you. I never told you this. It had before, a lasting right? effect in Derek. It will by the way, hold on. 
Yeah, yeah. His name is Mr. Norman. Mr. Norman, yep. Him. And he wasn't sick. He had a he was missing a leg. Yes, I'm sorry. He was broken. injured. My bad. But no illness, just physical body, bodily harm. Harm. <laughs> but yes, I I didn't know this did anything in you at all. Well, if, yeah. I mean, if if we take the time to intentionally reflect on our stories, I think it'll help us connect better, right, with ourselves. And so I've asked myself, like, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a nice guy, and I care about you. And if you care about the bird, then fine, we'll keep the bird in my office. But internally, I was going like, I, what, I, why is this thing here? Like, it's just the bird. Like, it's gotta, it's gonna figure it out. Like, if not, then it's circle of life. Kind of harsh, right? Because I'm very compassionate with people. I'm not as compassionate about like animals, animals. and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Confession. Give me the animals. Confession. <laughs> You're I, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's the thing is like, I, I asked myself like why internally, like, cause I, I, you didn't get that sense from me. Did you? You're like, okay. Yeah. At least you but didn't I, tell, tell me to throw it away. Like what? Like, well, no, no, he sure did say throw it away. Yeah. No, no. See, that's funny. I, I can't, I was trying to hide that, but I, I thought about why is this so important to, to Jason? Like, what does this say about Jason? Like if, if he really cares about this and it made me realize, like, I don't always care about the rocks. I just step on them or step over them. I kind of overlook the animals. And mm-hmm. What was that? Goal setting. Goal like, setting. like it's the, the, I don't know, but like the rush of, Living our lives. Yeah. I'm, like well, I'm here, but well, Jason knows from working with me that I move very fast yeah. and I don't take the time to slow down for those kind of things. Yeah. And I think the one of the things I've always admired about you is that you do. It's literally you the do stop take and smell that. the roses. You do. You are very, you literally just wanted to go outside and touch dirt. I'm like, that's, that's a waste. Yeah, that, that just why, happened. That why, just, why, that everybody just, that's listening, that really just that happened. Just happened. Jason took a break to touch dirt. And I'm just, <laughs> twice. And I'm just kind of sitting like, why? Like, what? what? Like, we'll, we'll touch dirt after. Like, we'll go play in the sandbox. We'll go to whatever. To, but, I had to leave this room and, and remember that there's something like alive outside. I had to see the sun was still there. It's so dark in here. <laughs> <laughs> But it is dark. But Nick, I think your story of connection there, and I, I think Jason brought this up, and you know, I think this is what you were saying earlier as well. Is is some of it comes from acceptance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when Willie starts to accept his identity, but also realize that you could change your identity. There's things about yourself that you could change that you could grow in, or right? Transform and yeah. transform yeah. exactly. And so once you recognize that, accepting the things that you can't change and figuring out what are the things that I can change and going forth and doing it, that really is the key to reconnecting with the world around you. And that starts with reconnecting with yourself. I really truly believe this, that when a change takes place within you, kind of like going back to the hero's journey, when you have that transformation, that epiphany, that, uh, that will translate out to other people. And that will be a mechanism of how you can connect with the people around you more deeply because nothing in our story and nothing in our life gets wasted. Yeah. No, it's crazy that I'm talking about this movie. I remember being 18 in college watching this for the first time in the auditorium. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, I have a a question if you don't mind. What kind of was like, what parts of your life were like, did it resonate with you? Like, that you were kind of like Willie and just not able to connect. And there was other things like that. And maybe what was your, um, your, your flight to Budapest moment? If there was one. Ooh, good question. Flight to Budapest. I don't know if there are like necessarily parts 
but just the overall mood. So that's like, I think yeah. I'm discovering that's how I think is just this overall feeling and mood that pervades life. Like the black and light. Yeah, like that, though, those, that feeling of this film is something that I'm very connected to. Mm-hmm. The, the, the first call to adventure, like really that, that got me out of this was the mission trip to the Dominican and that led mm-hmm. me into inner city ministry. Mm-hmm. That really changed a lot of, or introduced new feelings, new experiences, new colors, new everything into the, into the frame. The flight back to Budapest, I think that may be happening right now in the moment as mm. I'm just learning to connect with my family. Yeah. But I don't think it's had like a distinct moment. Yeah. Or or time that I could give you. No, but that's cool. That's that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you went to Namibia. Oh yeah, that's what just started. Just the journey. That's really just what started my journey of following Christ. I accepted that when I was 22 or 23, but really following him started then. Mm-hmm. And now following him in a whole new way. Yeah. That's cool. I want to share to kind of end here. I want to connect these themes to something else that I read. So in narrative therapy. You got the book out. In, yeah. there's This comes from Collective Narrative Practice, a book by David Denborough. He was one of my mentors in my master's program. Mm. And... I want to tell end with the story because this is a story about connection and how something really beautiful came out of it. And it's ultimately a practice called the team of life, which is where I, and I do this practice with people where we help them to find the connections in their lives that they have. And so we use this metaphor. It could be sports. It could be music, lots of different things, but essentially like who is your team of life? Who is on your team? Who's your coach? Who's your ref? Who's watching in the audience, right? And you kind of really start to help them intentionally figure out where all the different places of connection happen, but you choose a metaphor that connects with them. So it could be cooking. It could be sports, whatever. But this story here is so fascinating. So this is part of the work he does. He says, picture this. We are close to the Sudanese border. It's hot morning and our hosts have generously given us, driven us closer to the border in order to meet with a group of young men. These young men are Sudanese refugees and former child soldiers. When we arrive, they are on the football field. Yelps of delight coming from that direction, skillful moves, a dance almost. And so what he talks about is that they're they're playing football, they're yeah. playing sports, right? And they're engaging with that. And then so they sit under the tree and, and they watch this. But but he emphasizes here, this is not the code I grew up with, this language, this world. So he wasn't connecting because that's not where, where he is. All too soon... The young men are gathered towards us and ushered over towards us. They sit in a group because of our presence. A worker starts to speak with them about some of the hardships and difficulties they've experienced in their lives. The young men's faces, which had been so open to the world when they were on the field, start to close. Their heads, which were proud and held aloft when playing, now start to drop. The energy is completely transformed. It felt like a pull of the past had been draped over all of us. And I felt complicit in something that I deeply regret. So five minutes ago, these young men were performing the artistry with their bodies. They were connected in other words, right? Despite all the trauma they'd been through, they found something that made them free. 
And he asks, couldn't we build upon this? Couldn't our approaches of responding to trauma build upon the skills and knowledges these young men displayed on the football field? And it was at this moment that I tuned out of the conversation that was taking place and started to imagine a new approach to working with young people who have experienced trauma. And that's when he develops the team of life. And when he develops that and does that with them, all of a sudden, the connection between him learning and taking the time to engage in their world and them reciprocating them back that connection was formed and that's when the healing took place, right? And so that's what I love about narrative practice and stories is being intentional about how do we connect with the people around us, the world around us, even if it makes us uncomfortable and recognizing that there's things within our identity that are already fertile ground for us to build connections upon. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Nick, any final thoughts? No, watch the movie. Watch yeah, the movie. Watch the movie. Minutes. Not, a good. Lot, not a lot of yep. your time. Watch the movie. <laughs> it's good. So good. Well, if you want to experience this deeper sense of connection, and if you're in the South Florida area, then consider attending our storyteller sessions. It's an open mic for storytelling. And whether you are telling your own story or just listening to the stories of others, you'll be able to connect with people in an authentic way. And we work very hard to make sure that it's a space that stays that way. So whatever level you're comfortable at connecting, it's possible there. So go ahead and visit allthingsnarrative.com to get info on our next event coming up or just check out the link in the show notes. And yes, we'd love to have you out if you're in the South Florida area to connect on whatever level you're comfortable with when it comes to storytelling. So thank you guys. And next week, we're going to dive into Joe. Let's go. We're going to dive into Joe's pick so and true. Joe's story. Yeah. So, are we going to tease what that is or we keep it down? Uh, no. you want, down what do you want to do? Um, just know that it will be... Not stranger than parent. Yeah, it's not. The complete, sh- we're no, going gonna, complete opposite again. Just know that, I don't know, it's Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You're about to say, just don't know anything. Yeah, I was going to say something clever with age and something. It's it, all but... sci-fi except for mine. Yeah. Yeah, so this yeah. will definitely go on the superhero sci-fi side. And it's all good. It's all so, good. Nick, thank you for being out of the box. And, yes. And for being the the one who helps us have different perspectives mm-hmm. on life. Because you help us to connect better with the stories and world around us. So thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Live a Meaningful Story podcast produced by All Things Narrative. If you'd like to learn more about our coaching, workshops, events, please check out allthingsnarrative.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at All Things Narrative. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tune in next time as we continue exploring the stories we love and the stories we live. Take care.